Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the E2C Network, podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm Agent Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. Spring practice is practice time, week two of 2021. We get a spring practice. We got some stuff to talk about. Jared, you ready to jump into this, baby? Let's do it, man. It's always good to be talking about football, even though March Madness is going on. So, uh... Don't want spring practice to end because then it's a long wait until August. But, um, yeah, I'm ready to talk about it, man. Yeah, let's talk about it. So uh, over this uh, last week since we uh, lasted our podcast, we had Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, uh, and we also had uh, Harson kind of review our scrimmage that happened on Thursday. So we got a good bit to talk about. So let's just jump into it. Let's start out with uh, Derek Mason's press conference. Uh, his presser had tons of energy. You could tell uh, Derek Mason. Maybe that's why I'm pumped up right now because Derek Mason got me pumped up. And I was sitting on my couch watching uh, this presser. And I'm just thinking, if he can get me pumped up, think about how much he can get his players pumped up and uh, ready to hit the other guys. I mean, one of his mentalities, and I loved it, was wreck everything I see. (laughs) And if a defensive player has that mentality – Coming in to play defense for Derek Mason, I'm gonna love it. I love some hard hitting football. So um, sounds like he's got you ready to like put on some pads and try to walk on or something. <laughs> I mean, I may have my football helmet somewhere around this in my house or something. I don't know. Maybe I'll go and take that and bring it to Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know. So video it if you try to walk on. Video it. We need to share. It. We need to share it with the with the family here. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Me, little five foot five dude walking on. <laughs> no way. Shoot. I I would die. I would die. Think about me going up somebody against like JJ Pegues, three hundred pounder. Like no way. Zero oh, percent chance of that. I'd start crying. I'm getting I'm getting too old. I would I would <laughs> fake an injury right before they hit me or something. Yeah. Um. But I I was really impressed with Derek Mason. I mean, I see why. Um. Just from his press conference, why everybody. I mean, I I said it myself. I think he was a home run hire as far as defensive coordinator. He brings the energy. He knows defense very well. Um, and one of the things, one of the questions he was asked was about you know his transition from being a head coach to now being a defensive coordinator. And uh, one of the things I got out of that was he's able to really focus on defense, which you know that's to be expected. But he was saying that on a personal level, he's able to connect even better with his defensive players. Uh, because now he's got a focused view on those players on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I think that's usually what kind of you know spurs on a really good defense is really knowing your guys, um, what makes them tick, what gets them motivated to play. And uh, I think that's one thing that Derek Mason definitely has in his pocket is that ability to build those relationships, uh, even though he's just now coming in and uh, 
he didn't recruit these guys, but I mean, another phrase, and this is, this is one of my favorites of his. He said, he's like a kid in a candy shop with how much talent and versatility that all the players have on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, Jared, like what, what kind of makes you think that he, he's going to you know, be able to make this into what his offense is, or for his defense and what that's going to be. How do you think that's going to look over these uh, next few weeks? Um, I, you know, I think that, you know, he mentions the kid in a candy shop, his, his forte is the secondary and that's probably our strong, that's probably our strong suit on defense. Probably, uh, it was, you know, we had a couple guys decide to come back, which was good. That could have maybe tested the pro waters. Yeah. Roger McCreary. Yeah. Easily gone. Yeah. He could have. And, and, you know, smoke, you know how we've, Auburn's got a history of players leaving really before they probably should. And smoke could have been added to that line, but he didn't, he came back. He's got some talented guys there, so I understand why he's excited. And at the linebacker core, you know, I mean, he's got he, – we keep mentioning it. We mention it every week, but he's got the leading tackler from the SEC coming back in mm-hmm. linebacker, and he's got a former five-star with, you know, Owen Papo, um, who gets better every year. So, I mean, I, you know, I heard the linebackers talking about how excited they are because essentially what this defense does is the setup is the guys up front are meant to just take up space and then clear the path for the linebackers. Mm-hmm. And so they are, like, real excited because this is going to allow them to get after people a little more. Um, probably going to be a little more action in the backfield from the linebacker perspective. It's going to be a whole different defense. Now, we had, we had a good defense for five years. So, yeah. you know, it, it's going to be hard to take a step forward. But I, I think this is there's a chance we take a step forward. Yeah, well, I mean, Kevin still, I, I feel like for the most part, has a positive name around Auburn, even despite, you know, the coaching, you know, rumor stuff that, you know, he was whatever, whatever was going on there. Who knows if that's actually true, but for the most part, him as a defensive coordinator, most people around Auburn really loved him. The players loved him. The, uh, the fans loved him. I loved him. I thought he was, he pretty much did what Auburn needed to do a lot of times um, on defense. There were very few games where I thought, Oh wow, Kevin still, you know, he, he did something wrong where he sent a blitz where he shouldn't have. That was very rare. Which I mean, I feel like that's pretty. Uh, that's a good sign for a defensive coordinator. So Derek Mason, he's got some some uh, big heavy lifting to do to get up to where where I kind of viewed where Kevin still left off. But I I think there's capability there. I mean, he's got the talent level of a lot of these players that I really do think that. Uh, we can, with his three four four three, kind of, you know, changing up what he does on defense, I, I think there's a good potential there for us to do really well. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, outside of uh, the rumors, which we'll never know if they're true, so we'll just give him the benefit of the doubt there. Uh, Kevin Steele still has a good name. What he did against LSU two years ago, I mean, they literally changed the defense <laughs> to something they've never done the yes. week of the game. And, and held Burrow and them to like 23 points. Let's be honest, that whole defense that whole year was championship worthy. I mean, we basically could not do anything at Florida offensively. Mm-hmm. Defense almost scored there, which probably yeah. would have changed the game. We couldn't do much offensively against LSU. And we only lost three times in the season. I mean, you do you, you win one of those, it's a different story. So, yeah, he's got big shoes to fill. Um, I, I don't think we take a step back. I think the key is don't take a step back. I don't think yeah. we take a step back. 
And I think there is potential to take a step even even more uh, in a positive direction, especially in the secondary, because that's what that's that's what he does. I mean, that's where that that's his specialty, and he's got some talented players there. Yeah, I mean, it's literally everything from the front seven to the secondary. I mean, he just went off on a list. He already knows the stars. He knows the second you know, second stringers. Um, I feel like that's a good sign that he's already really understanding who these players are and what their strengths are and where they've played uh, previously. Um, but even with that, uh, it sounds like there's going to be some you know versatility that's kind of built into, hey, you're going to be playing potentially DB, but hey, if we need you to step back and nickel, you, you have to know that position as well. And I feel like that that will help everybody understand, even if you're not playing nickel, but only a couple of plays a game, you understand what the nickel position is doing on that play. So it helps you with what you're trying to do. So I feel like there's lots of benefits to how uh, this this approach to versatility and knowing multiple positions around what you normally do um, can really pay off. Um, one of the other kind of just interesting things that uh, Derek Mason mentioned, and I, I had no idea about this until uh, he had mentioned in his press conference, was uh, he wasn't even really considering college, um, to come back to college and coach there. Um, he was actually looking at going to the NFL, which I mean, maybe he just needed a break from it, but, uh, after him coming through town and Brian Harson essentially, and him met for a few hours, they decided this is a good spot for Derek Mason and, uh, the mentality, the ideology of what, what he, what Harson was wanting to do with Auburn, and uh, how Derek Mason can kind of fit into that on the on the defensive side, that got me excited. I mean, just to think, that's the kind of mentality of like I'm I'm done with college, but for him to come to Auburn, buy in, and you can already tell love coaching, just being a defensive coordinator again, kind of reinvigorated, reignited that energy in him uh, that uh, that he was known for. Um, for a long time. So excited to hear that. Um, and I had no idea about that either. Yeah, I didn't have any idea about it either. Um, and so that's pretty cool that we were able to grab a guy that was thinking about going to the NFL and then quality guy at that. And he, did you hear the joke? Uh, I don't know if it was them talking to each other or if Bobo was giving advice before he went on to do his press conference, but Bobo apparently told him to make sure he didn't use any of those Vanderbilt or Stanford words. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he told Bobo that it, it, everything was going to be all right. Um, so that's funny because for those that don't know, he coached at Vanderbilt and Stanford, and both of those are highly regarded schools. So yes, I thought that was just showed he's got a little bit of humor, you know, oh, yeah. which which I like. I appreciate that. And I, and I appreciate the little you know jabbing between offensive and defensive. Yeah, it all, a little bit showed a little camaraderie there. They're they're yeah. getting along, and yeah, I, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I feel like I mean usually they don't have to coordinate completely what they do, but there has to be some uni- unity between uh, what they're doing. Um, so uh, that's good to see. That there's already kind of you know the the friendship and the relationship starting to build there. Um, let's switch over to offense a little bit and kind of what Mike Bobo said, um, because this is where I thought, uh, we got a little tidbits about different players. Um, and, and 
also one of the things I really liked was you're getting in, like it started to show you some of the mindset of why Mike Bobo previously has been a really good quarterback coach and what he's done uh, to get guys like Aaron Murray um, at Georgia to play really well. Um, and along with a ton of others, uh, great, uh, great quarterbacks uh, throughout his career. Um, so let's talk about that because I think that's one of the most interesting things. So, um, one of the, he was asked about Demetrius Davis, who's, uh, you know, some people thought maybe he might come in, challenge Bo for his position at quarterback. Um, and, uh, he kind of, you know, skirted the question around what, what his expectations are for Demetrius. Um, and he just said, Hey, my mentality for him is I just want him to learn the basics, learn how to call plays how to get guys in position, uh, learn the mechanics of the game uh, at a high level. And uh, really the two two other words that he, he used for getting quarterbacks ready and just for a backup quarterback, getting them ready to play in, in the SEC in college football is big. But the two words he used were confident and comfortable, which I like both of those because <laughs> – I, I, Jared, I feel like I still have PTSD from, uh, first off, <laughs> Jeremy Johnson, mm. um, who lacked both of those, mm-hmm. um, and how the quarterback position really relies on those. Um, do you have any thoughts on, on what you've kind of learned from Mike Bobo and his mentality on, uh, running the offense and, you know, coaching quarterbacks and all that? Yeah, you mentioned Jeremy Johnson. Two of them that come to mind to me are Jeremy Johnson and Kyle Frazier. Both of them hmm. were highly. I mean, yeah, you know, w- w- you know, we joke about them, but every. I mean, there were many, many colleges that wanted those guys, and and, and people thought they were going to be the next Cam Newton. Like, yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, well, and people always joked, oh, Frazier, the Heisman candidate. Other schools would joke. I'm like, look, we didn't label him that. Like that was media outlets that were saying, yeah. hey, this guy's a stud, and you we forget he came in and. You know, that one quarter that Nick Marshall was um, sidelined uh, for, you know, just uh, breaking team rules, and he had to come in and play against Arkansas. I think he yeah. had three touchdown passes. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to expect the next year he's going to be good. But anyways, you're right. I think that – so there's multiple facets to being a good quarterback. Uh, one of them is you have to be talented. The other one is you have to be able to handle it mentally. Mm-hmm. And I think Bobo and them are probably going to try to, you know – slow drip that so that it doesn't overwhelm the young quarterbacks um so that they they don't go out there and look like deer in the headlights i think with Bo, they're treating it differently um and i've read articles where they number one they both expect the quarterback to be the leader they expect them to be there before everybody else and not leave until anybody else does and watch more film than everybody and this is their expectation of the quarterback and then they also as far as Bo goes with him being a junior like they're putting a lot on him, so they're not mm-hmm. they're not slow dripping it with him. They like you need to you need to get this. And, and and to his credit, they said that that he has gotten a lot of it. Yeah, and one of the things that it was kind of funny. Mike Bobo kind of made a joke about it. He was like, "Bo Nix is asking tons of questions," and he was like, "Blah blah 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 blah." Yeah. Like, and I was like, "That's hilarious." It, it kind of reminded me of like you know, I mean, you've had kids. I've had uh, nephews and nieces that are two years old, but it reminds me of like a two year old, like asking you tons of questions, but why, what, what, what about that? And you're like, that's what I'm imagining, but in a good way, like learning, like you're, you're, uh, what is the word? Uh, curious, um, that I feel like the curiosity and the learning mentality is a good thing to have. 
And that's something that you know us as adults sometimes forget is yeah, they're, they're, you got to be a little curious and question asking and not just assuming everything. There's probably two sides to it. He's probably like, wait, you're a junior and you don't know this. Um, <laughs> but on the flip side is, hey, you don't know this. So I'm glad you're asking. Like, yeah. let's get let's get this down. Bo is apparently asking a lot of questions. And they said the article I read said it was pretty unique because they still can't get on the road yet. And so the coaches are around campus a little more than normal. And so yeah. Bo is like attached to their hill, um, <laughs> you know, which I'm sure after a while, as with kids, gets a little annoying. But when it comes <laughs> to game day, they're going to be glad he was, you know? Yeah. I mean, that that's going to be so instrumental with how Mike Bobo kind of reads Bo Nix's uh, body language or how he's throwing that day and, and what kind of plays you call uh, that set up the players for success, even if they're not 100% on that day. Um, what do you... What do you think is the, I mean, there's several things. What's the main thing they need to correct with Bo for him to reach his true potential? I mean, when I think back on it, there's the long ball accuracy, um, which a lot of that comes down to his footwork um, and, and his footwork in general. Um, I'm not a footwork quarterback expert by any means, but I know when he's <laughs> when he's throwing it wrong, you watch him, and his weight does not look balanced at all. Um, he's just kind of throwing uh, because he's athletic. He's he's capable of throwing pretty well, even if he doesn't have perfect form. But to get to that next level, especially if you go to what we're probably going to is more of a pro style offense. That's uh, you got to get that down. You've got to be precise with every movement that you have. So you think, I, I think, think that's where talent? you start. Do you think his talent, his arm strength and stuff has been a little detrimental to that? Almost in a sense of, hey, I, I not not like he would ever say this, but he knows it. Hey, mm-hmm. I'm good enough. My arm's strong enough. I don't have to be perfect footwork. Um, do you think it, that's possible? It, it could be. I mean, I, I know last year it was a big thing for Chad Morris to come in, and he, he was uh, we, you know, the quarterback doctor or whatever you want to call him. Uh, but it sounded like Bo sometimes wouldn't necessarily take the teaching and, uh, that not taking the teaching. I mean, it, the teaching was being there. It was, you know, do this, do this, this kind of footwork, fix these things. And we didn't necessarily see that much of a difference last year. And I hope that under a third coordinator, Mike Bobo is able to get through to him and, and work on those things. That's just my thought. Well, Bo Nix is, no offense to any Georgia fans, I, th- I think from a talent level, Bo Nix is more talented than uh, Aaron Murray and maybe David Green. So if Bobo's able to, I mean, those guys broke records in the mm-hmm. SEC. If he's able to do that, then, um, you know, there's talent there to work with. But if he, if he doesn't, if it never comes together, you know, you, you never know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was thinking back to your other, like your original question on, you know, what what does Bo need to work on? And and another thing that came to mind was the timing of his throws. Um, because the the way in the previous years he would throw the ball and he would wait for the guy to almost be perfectly open before he would throw it, instead of throwing it before the guy made the break to where he'd be perfectly open. So there was a little bit of an anticipation game that was lacking, and I hope that. Uh, we kind of work on that with Bo. It's about timing. You got to trust your receiver to break when they're supposed to and get open when they're supposed to. When I think that'll, that'll look, the offensive line has their own problems and we've gone over that many times, but 
other people can do things to help them out. So I think you're right. I think if you, if we are more in a timing rhythm where, hey, it's a three-step drop, you put the ball where it needs to be, that's going to help the line out as well, as opposed to having to wait on the guy to actually make his break. Mm-hmm. You know, that half a second there matters. Um, and it yeah. really matters for the DB. The D, If you're already throwing it, the DB's having to watch the receiver. He He can't look at the quarterback as well. So it's very, if the ball is put in the right spot, it's almost impossible for a DB to make a play on it. Yeah, and, and if you know Bo's got his foot st- uh, footwork correct and he's got his mechanics on point, uh, you got a really good probability of that pass getting completed um, versus if you know, he doesn't have his feet set correctly and he passes the ball, it either goes too high over his head, over the receiver's head. That can happen. That will happen. Um, it's happened before. Um, and if you get your footwork correct, you're less likely to do that. Yep, I agree. Hey, Auburn fans, I want to take a quick timeout from this episode to bring your attention to something very special. Here at the E2C Network, we pride ourselves on bringing you the best content for Auburn fans out there. And best of all, it's free to you. But just because it's free doesn't mean there aren't costs, especially when you have a library of hundreds of podcasts, videos, blogs, and more. Many of you have reached out and asked how you can support this network in the past. Well, now I have your answer. It's called the E2C Network Booster Club over at patreon.com slash E2C Network. There you'll find a membership monthly reward system where you can sign up for as little as $1 and get different perks at different tiers. Some of those perks include things such as apparel, eligibility to join us on future podcasts, recognition as an E2C Network Booster, exclusive communications, and bonus content that is available nowhere else. If you love this network and want to help us keep producing podcasts like this one, please head on over to patreon.com slash E2C Network to join the E2C Network Booster Club. You can also get there by going to our website, e2cnetwork.com slash support. Whether you decide to join or not, we are still so appreciative that you would support us by just listening and being here because each and every one of you is part of our E2C Network family. Well, that's it. Timeout's over. Let's get back into the episode. One of the other, just kind of, I just wanted to throw this because I there were some really good nuggets out of uh, Mike Bobo and uh, uh, Derek Mason, but Mike, Mike Bobo's presser, I love this phrase about Demetrius Davis. He said, uh, even though he's five foot eleven, he's a yoked five foot eleven. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I just love that that the coach would call him yoked. <laughs> yoked, he's yoked. I like it. Uh, yeah, I, uh, it's always funny with these height things. Sometimes they, usually a five eleven guy can convince them to put him at six foot. Yeah, right. Uh, it's it's so funny with this stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know. I know you're just talking about the phrase that was made, but I, mean, I saw the guy play on his high school film, and he's very talented. Um, probably needs a little bit of work on his uh, just mechanics overall from his arm perspective, but he is very shifty, uh, great athlete, and, I mean, he probably can't be with – these two guys are probably top ten in the country as far as how they've worked with quarterbacks, so you got to be happy about that. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. With Harson and Bobo, that is. Um, a couple other things about uh, that I got out of the offense and what Mike Bobo was talking about um, had to do with kind of, you know, we talked about it last week, even the them getting under center and also shotgun. Um, it's going to be a, a really a lot of different mixture of that. Um, 
but something along with that, you know, when you're under center, a lot of times it's power run. Like, you know, it's happening, you know, it's going to be a run and it's, uh, pretty much getting that line of scrimmage and owning that line of scrimmage, um, which I, I think is, is also going to help when I'm thinking about our offensive line. Um, because he was asking about our offensive line. What, what's, what's it looking like? And, you know, he pretty much said it looks about the same, um, as last year. Um, and, uh, there's lots of room to improve. And one of the things last year that I really liked and Jared, I think we, we've talked about this is towards the end of last year, our offensive line, uh, before we had injuries, we had a pretty good run game going and that was behind an offensive line, um, that, some would say was average, if not below average. Um, so uh, what, what's that getting you to think about when, when you start thinking about what we might be doing on offense this next year? I think the O-line is, if everybody that was on there came, comes back, I think the O-line is going to be improved because there was a lot of youth on that line. I don't know even know about whether they were sophomores or whatnot, but playing time, a lot of youth. Um, you're right. I mean, we were running the ball pretty well. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to not when Tank's healthy, but, you <laughs> know, they were also still opening a lot of holes for him. So running game was not really – we could have won more games with our running game, run game blocking last year. Um, it was it was the pass protection. And, you know, uh, Bo was running for his life. Sometimes he didn't have to. Most of the time he did. And, you know, when, we watched, when I watched the Super Bowl, same thing was happening to Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And he looked human. And so it just really reiterated the fact that, if you don't have an offensive line to block for you, there's not much you can do. Yeah. And so we have to – but the thing that uh, I got frustrated with, and I'm not a coach, but I got frustrated because I don't – I think we kept doing the same thing. I'm like, that's not working. So figure – do some more quick passes. Do something. Run more screens. I don't know what you do. So I'm hoping the new staff will be able to put a plan in place that, okay, if the O-line's not a lot better, how do we build around that? Mm-hmm. Um you know, how do we work with their deficiencies? Yeah. But I think they will be better to answer your question. Yeah. I think it will get better, especially if we start uh, doing a little bit more, especially early on in the season, I can see us running the ball a lot uh, more than we're passing the ball. Uh, just because that is a strength of our offense right now. Um, we've got younger wide receivers. Uh, Bo doesn't have as much chemistry with those as he did with, you know, Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stowe. And those those that you know we had last year, um, so he's got to build that, and that that only comes with time and reps. Um, it does, and I want to say one thing because people are probably like, "What do you mean run more screens?" I'm not talking about the wide receiver screen out wide. I'm talking about <laughs> up the middle type stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Make the defense have to realize, oh, I can't just we can't just go crazy towards the quarterback because we got to we got to account for a screen up the middle. Um, you know, because last year you and I talked about it a lot on the routes. I mean, we would run an RPO and then throw it out wide, and that did nothing because RPO mm-hmm. is supposed to bring the linebackers in. Um, so just I want to see more utilization of, you know, where the game's headed. RPO is a big big part of that. But I really think getting under center, we're going to run the ball a lot more. I think the, uh, I, you know, Georgia used to be one of the better play-action teams in the country, and I don't know if that was Mark Rick or, or Bobo. If it's Bobo um, – good things could happen because you get under center and got tank running it well. And then you throw in a great play action and somebody gets uh, wide open down the sideline. Give me, give me some more Elijah Cannon down the sideline. Yes. Give me a lot of that down the sideline. That, <laughs> that guy, I tell you, man, 
I know that was like two or three plays total, but he's you could tell he's he's got the it factor. Can 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 he just do other stuff? Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Bobo, uh, he was asking about the wide receivers, and I think one of the first or second players out of his mouth was Elijah Canyon. So uh, he's already standing out to uh, Mike Bobo. So I, I'd expect a good a good amount of uh, reps coming his way. Which, real quick, let's talk about the benefit of the, You know that new rule they put in about three or four years ago where – guys can play up to four games and keep their red shirt. True. Elijah yep. Canyon probably wouldn't have played in that bowl game if that rule wasn't around. So that yeah. that allowed, and this guy, who knows what he'll go on to do, but let's say he goes on to have a good year next year. That's because of that rule, because we would have not seen what Elijah Canyon could do. Yeah. Um, but now that they can play four games, when it comes to bowl time, if they haven't played four games, put them all in. See what you got next year. Well, exactly. And you, you can probably even, because of the way this next season is kind of set up, you might even be able to play some of them early on in the season because we've got non-conference first four games are non-conference, and uh, three of those are you know the you know the cupcake type games, and we might be able to get some of those guys in there maybe earlier in the season than uh, maybe previously when you know the non-conference is kind of you know peppered throughout uh, the season. Yeah, the NCAA does a lot of really unwise things. I'm trying to put this properly. Um, they do a lot of unwise things. We don't things, have to be but... that nice in this <laughs> year, right? But that that was one thing they did that was smart. I thought that was a really good rule. Um, and I, I don't see any downside to that rule at all. So um, I, th- I thought that was a good one. So anyways, I, I'm going too, too much on that. But he could be one of the prime examples that benefits from being able to play without having to burn a red shirt. Yeah, I agree. I agree, definitely. I, I didn't even know his name until the bowl game. I didn't, and... Nobody did. Yeah, nobody did. <laughs> And then he shows up and makes some. He didn't crazy even know. Catches. I'm kidding. He knew. It. Eh, he probably didn't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the other things that uh, Mike Bobo talked about, and then we'll, we'll talk about scrimmage after this, is uh, about Tank Bigsby and kind of his mentality. Um, because everybody knows, you know, Bo Nix is going to be a leader on the offense, and then Tank Bigsby is also kind of right up there. Um, because you can already see it in the way he plays. He doesn't care if Auburn has 0% chance of winning at a game, he's going to come out there and play his hardest and put Auburn in the best position to maybe win a game that we might not have before. And that's the kind of mentality that I look at with uh, Tank Bigsby. Um, Something else that Bobo kind of noted was he's got a mindset of greatness. Um, And I think that word greatness uh, kind of usually when you think of great players, you think of the, for Auburn, it's Bo Jackson, Cam Newton's, uh, but Jared, I want to kind of get, get your mindset and what you think about where other great players and their mentality and what that looks like. And maybe some, uh, what, what do you think that tank, uh, his mentality kind of lines up with those? You know, there was, it, it didn't get talked about a lot just because of everything else going on, but there were times on the sideline last year, people were looking to tank and mm-hmm. he was not shying away, not in a hey, look at me, flashy kind of guy. But he was like, he, you could tell he had that leadership ability. Yeah. And that's that's pretty cool for a true freshman. Yeah. So um, I think he's got that uh, leadership ability. Um, I don't think he cares about the flash. I think that he's going to be a hard worker. You know, you're talking about what makes you great. I think those things are, hey, look, I'm going to come put the work in every day, and I am not going to rely on what I did last Saturday. And that's how you get, that's how you are great. Mm -hmm. You can have good games, 
But if you get caught up in that and don't continue to work hard, you know, you won't become great. Um, just seems like a leader. He really does. And mostly with how he plays on the field. Um, now to, to hit the Bo Jackson, uh, and I'll say even Cam, but he was just one year to hit that Bo Jackson level. He's going, he's got a lot of work to do, but I'm one of the few that's saying he, he could, I, I'm one of the few saying if he stays healthy, he could become number two. That's, I think it, the potential is there. I mean, it even is. Cadillac Williams, his running backs coach, and, and Cadillac. I mean, we talk about him as a one of the great running backs at all. Oh, he is. Um, and and he sees that potential in guys like Tank Bigsby. Um, and, and I think the mentality also for me, I see Tank. I mean, it, Bobo gave a pretty good example of this. He was like, "Yeah, uh, Tank's sitting in Cadillac's office, literally talking ball with uh, Cadillac in his off time when he doesn't have to because he's hungry." He's wanting to get better. He's wanting to understand the games better. He wanted to, he wants to understand the blocking schemes better so he can become a better blocker. He wants to uh, do everything better, and he's not content, uh, which I think is another sign of greatness. You're never content. I mean, I, I think about somebody like Cam Newton, who uh, as much as he's been in the NFL for the last 10 years, he has never been content with where he's at. He's always wanted to get better, and you're seeing it now with him being at the Patriots. He's always wanting to get better. And that's the sign that you just want to, I mean, that's, that's that next step, that next, uh, you know, potential that you, you might be the best player to ever come out of Auburn. And you got to have the mentality of working hard, getting the grind. Um, and tanks got that, I think. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the scrimmage and, uh, transition a little bit over to the scrimmage. Um, uh, Harson did a presser after um, he said there was lots of energy and competitiveness, which, you know, that's good to hear. I mean, it's coach talk, but I mean, there's some truth I'm sure behind that uh, guys are excited. I'm sure to get out there and actually hit uh, full steam uh, scrimmage style against guys across the ball from them. So uh, always love to hear what goes on then, because I feel like you can do drills, you can do seven on seven drills, that kind of stuff. But until you line up 11-on-11 11 11 in a game-like situation, I feel like you don't really understand what a guy is capable of. Sometimes guys shy away, and some guys sometimes guys will shine because of uh, putting them in a game-like situation. So, um, always love to see that. Um, Jared, what, what did you kind of get out of the scrimmage and what went on uh, over this last week? Um, You know, not... I mean, not a ton. I mean, I think the, I think the biggie is just kind of getting more of a philosophical, you know, idea of where we're headed. And I think we continue to get Bo under center and trying to get him comfortable with the snaps there. That just lets you know where we're headed directionally. I think it's going to be a, we keep saying it, but I think it's going to be a, a good mix, but a, a mix of pro and, and spread. Um, you know, I think um, it, it, there's not, I mean, there's not a ton. I think that they keep talking about, and you may have mentioned it, but uh, you know, they, the thing that keeps coming out is the love that they have for JJ Pegues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that them just being able to get him on the field and actually see him, you know, what he's able to do at that size, that just wows anybody. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know, at the end of the day, it's more about at this early of a stage. You know, it's not about how somebody specifically performed or didn't it's more about getting your plan in place so that they can take that info 
once practice has the ends and they can go do their own studying mm-hmm. and master that. So when we get back together in fall, that's when you're like, all right, now I really need to see, okay, well, how are you actually performing? Yeah. And, and that point, I think Brian Harson put it uh, in a, uh, in terms of, he said, operate and execute. So operate, you know, the play is called and then executing that play. Um, and that's kind of what you're getting at with that is, knowing how to line up and then actually doing what you're supposed to. Um, and that's on both sides of the ball, offense, defense, and special teams um, that I think is right now getting established. I mean, it's not like we're hearing, Oh wow. Tank broke a hundred yard run or, you know, maybe the next, you know, Elijah Canyon out of the wide receiver court comes and makes a ridiculous catch, one handed catch or something. We're not hearing that. And that's okay. Because, Right now, they're they're building the foundation for, you know, hey, in three weeks, we got A-Day. And in A-Day, we might see some flashes of that kind of stuff. Um, and that that's going to be fun because you're starting to build on the foundation of what's getting done in these uh, first few weeks of practice. I mean, how many guys have you heard who were studs during spring practice and A-Day that never started? So I think that I think as fans, we easily get carried away with positive and negative aspects of this. And I really think if we get back, I think this is what Harson and them are good at. of like, hey, we get back to the basics. Yeah. At this point, we're just trying to get you conditioned. We're trying to get you to understand what we're trying to do, what we're all about. Um, there's no doubt you want to see great plays, um, but that doesn't lead to you starting next year. All right, let's let's get you the plan in place so you yep. can take that, study it, work on it. We'll see you back here in fall. Yeah. And a lot of this, uh, Harson said was, you know, they did some, some things that were really good and there were some things that they did not so great. And spring is the time to correct those. And that's what Harson was talking about. We're going to go back and watch how did each individual player do during the scrimmage and what did they do well? And what did they not? Let's work on the things that they're not doing well so that, by the time fall comes, they've already ironed those uh, those things out and are able to uh, do as best as they can um, on the field. Um, there were a couple turnovers in this scrimmage. There was interception. It was not Bo, so <laughs> one of the other quarterbacks, uh, and there was a fumble. And uh, one of those turnovers ended up happening in the red zone, which is good for the defense, but not good for offense. So, you know, take it as you wish. Um, and, uh, this is again, one of those things where I think early in spring practice or in, even in early in fall practice, I feel like defenses have a little bit of an edge over offenses because offenses are kind of like a, a finely tuned machine. And, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like defenses are just, you know, ravaged dogs that are ready to go eat some meat. Like they're ready to just go. <laughs> and there is obviously some tuning that happens, but I feel like the advantage is definitely on the defensive side. So I wasn't shocked by that. that The defense probably had a little bit of an edge and did probably a little bit better than offense. It's just early on. So not too worried about that. Um, And uh, one other kind of thing to note, uh, they were hitting full steam. So uh, they got to see, you know, how were guys tackling, especially on defense, how, how on the offensive side were guys breaking tackles. Um, So you get a more realistic, uh, than just almost kind of playing two-hand touch like they had done. I mean, it's, it's more than two-hand touch. I feel like I'm kind of like oversimplifying <laughs> it. Um, they're not playing two-hand touch. Um, 
but not hitting each other at full speed um, until really this this scrimmage. Um, I think that pretty much does it for uh, the scrimmage. Anything else about the scrimmage you wanted to mention, Jared? Um, no, I guess we probably, and you may have, I apologize. We need to, I guess, maybe just mention the, uh, and I don't know if it happened during the scrimmage, but the, the gentleman, the player that got hurt towards ACL, Jeremiah Wright. Yeah. Yeah. I had not mentioned him yet. Um, uh, that's, 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 it's too bad really, because number one, it's bad no matter what they put on all this work, but to come off a COVID year, which wasn't really a real year, doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're like, all right, let's get back. We're probably going to get closer to having fans back and all that and the funness that goes along with it. And then, you know, bam, to tear your ACL, um, you're out. I mean, that's tough. So I feel for the kid. Hope he, uh, and and he was going to be an asset. I feel for the kid. And then you're like, all right, from a team perspective, I mean, he was probably going to be one of the top guys on the defensive line. So um, it it hurts the team. Yeah, it it does. I mean, he was going to be a good depth piece i mean there was even uh i think it was uh, yeah it, Derek mason was asking about him and that was one of the players that stood out to him and then just literally a couple of days later towards acl and you're like there's potential for this guy um and, and it just stinks uh when players that have have really high potential and just something tragic like this happens where they they can't play probably for another uh, at least a football season um so I just feel for him and uh, hope he's able to heal up and uh, stick with the recovery process so that he can come back and uh, make an impact uh, when he's able to be fully healthy. Yes, sir. Um, Auburn will take a week off for this next week and uh, will actually return uh, back to practice on April 5th. There's really not a spring break per se this year uh, for Auburn's uh, Auburn University's schedule. Uh, and uh, they're just kind of doing a quote-unquote spring break break for spring practice. Um, so uh, they'll get some time to relax, recuperate, um, and uh, then they'll just get back to it. And then we got a couple more weeks of uh, good practice and then final finalized by the A-Day scrimmage that's going to happen on April 17th. So excited they to see that. they uh, attendance uh, stipulations for A-Day? We're recording this on Sunday, and I've not heard anything. But considering they had fans in the stand for that other practice, I'd expect some fans. Now I don't know exactly what they're gonna do. Because previously they've they you know you can buy tickets ahead of time, or you can just show up at the gate, pay you know five dollars or whatever it is, and uh, go to the eight day game. So I would suspect there's gonna be some fans. Just not sure where Auburn's gonna fit with uh, what percentage of fans can come all right jerry before we get out of here um how can the people stay in touch with you uh just find me on facebook uh and instagram under jared davis and uh, you can find me on twitter at a j a y j a y underscore it's always great to be an auburn tiger and war eagle war eagle before you get out of here, we want to remind you of a couple of things. Head over to E2Cnetwork.com, our website where you can find everything that you'll ever need from us, podcasts, blogs, and even ways to help support the show. If you want to find individual episodes, you can download all of these on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So until we see you again, I want to remind you of one thing, that here at the network, we believe in Auburn and love it. The only question remains, do you?